You are listening to War of the Stars, a Star Wars podcast presented by Realm of the Mist Entertainment with your host, John Tolley. Hello, everyone, and welcome to War of the Stars, a Star Wars podcast. My name is John Mark Tolley, and as always, we're coming to you from deep within the Outer Rim, far beyond the watchful eyes of the Galactic Empire. As I said earlier, I kind of messed that intro up, but oh well. Uh, my name is John Mark Tolley, joined as always by my co-pilot, Mr. Christopher Stolley. Yeah, I thought and... you did very, very well on that intro. Well, thank you, thank you. <laughs> Usually, I wait till I do the far from far beyond the uh, watchful eyes of the Galactic Empire before I say who I am. But anyway, also joining us today in the uh, the ship that we call War of the Stars is a newcomer to Realm of the Mist. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Mr. Kevin Hunter. How are hey. you today, Mr. Hunter? All right, I'm doing fine, you guys. Man, thanks for having me. Yeah. Not a problem, man. Not a problem. I've been waiting a while to get this guy on, John. Uh, I met him two years ago when we did the live podcast of uh, Breaking the Fourth Wall at Comic Collections at Feasterville. And he had told me he wanted to start his own podcast, to which I was completely supportive of, you know. And I tried to share out his stuff when he released it uh, in Tune Hunter uh, on YouTube. Guys, go check that out. Make sure you give him some love and support to all his videos and all. And I knew that he had a personality that would fit for Realm of the Mist. I just wanted him to get a little bit of experience behind him before I invited him in. And uh, it was time. (laughs) Well, we are glad to have you on, as always, to talk a little Star Wars. So um, so today we're going to go... Where are we going? What's that? Where are we going? You cut it out a little bit. Oh, Sorry. We're going to go straight into it. Can you hear me now? I can hear you now. All right. <laughs> Tonight's show is brought to you by Verizon. <laughs> um, we're going to go pretty much straight into it because we have a lot of territory to cover and a lot of people to cover because uh, we're going to be, as you know, we've been covering the women of Star Wars for the last few weeks. And other than a little break last week, of course, to talk about celebration um we've just been kind of covering from week to week one individual women woman but today we're going to be kind of going over i guess you could call it the best of the rest um just some of the women that may not have been the the main character or a main story arc character uh a lot of we're also going to be going probably over some of the legends with the women of legend um so um, I'll leave. I'll start with you guys. Uh, which one of these kind of other women would you like to start talking about first? Uh, I mean, Kev, uh, you want to go first? Uh, did you guys already talk about um, Leia, Princess? Or yes, that you did. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. We started. We started with Leia. Okay, I'll give you. I'll give you the rundown. We did Leia. We did Padme. We did Jyn Erso. Uh, Ahsoka, um, uh, Asajj Ventress, Sabine, and Hera. 
Yeah. Okay. And we're saving Ray until the end. So we're going to end with Ray. Which is what? Next week? (laughs) Probably. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Well, let's let's start off with um, probably one of the most important side characters. If you want to go with the overall story arc of Star Wars and what she means, even though she's only in a few scenes. And one of the scenes was a deleted scene is Mon Mothma. Yes. I mean, you want to talk about someone who is the like critical to the rebellion. Mon Mothma is one of the most important characters in the Star Wars mythos. Mm-hmm. No, you're you're not wrong. She definitely was an unsung hero. She was the silent leader behind the rebellion. Uh, Leia was really the face of the of the whole rebellion, but uh, behind the scenes, kind of kind of the uh, Darth Sidious, if you will, of the uh, Galactic Alliance was yeah. Mon Mothma. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, she is just really, and I see, like, it's almost interesting how the Leia we, we've kind of seen in Force Awakens, The Last Jedi, has kind of become that, it kind of moved into that role as being the elder statesman. You know, at first it was, Mon Mothma was kind of the elder statesman of the Rebellion, and now Leia is kind of come into that role throughout the, the last two movies. So that's kind of an interesting juxtaposition, how, you know, her taking that role. And of course, um, but I mean, it was kind of always Leia's role to begin with. Um, when, when you were talking about, like, even when you talk about the deleted scene from, uh, revenge of the Sith, Mon Mothma, yeah. although was a stoic character, uh, exuding the, the belief in, in the old ways of the old Republic. Um, the new old yeah. republic, not the old old republic. Um, <laughs> she, uh, she was never very confident. She kind of took her her lead and her, and her poise from people like Bail Organa and from Princess Leia. You mm-hmm. know, uh, even from Padme. Yeah, you know they were they were kind of the ones that that set her on her course. Yeah. You know, not that she was excited or happy about the changes happening within the Republic to becoming the Empire, but Rebellion wasn't really in her mind until these people really kind of set her on that path. Yeah, and I think she kind of represented, like, I see Mon Mothma represented the, like you said, the old Republic, whereas Leia is more of representing what would become the new Republic. You know, this, that we have to learn, like, Mamothma was happy with, you know, bringing back democracy, bringing back the Republic. But I think Leia was like, yes, we need to bring it back, but we need to change it to try to make sure that what happened in the past doesn't happen now. But it's happened three times. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, maybe maybe it's, time, maybe it's time for a new type of government. Because the Republic thing just doesn't seem to work in yeah. the Star Wars universe. <laughs> it's not me; it's you. <laughs> I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. The old Republic fell. Uh, then yeah. the then the uh, Galactic Republic fell to the uh, to the Galactic Empire, and then the New Republic fell to the First Order. Yeah, pretty yeah. much. Yeah. That's yeah. three times that that I could think of that you know, democracy died with thunderous applause. Forgive the phrase. <laughs> yeah, you know, like maybe it's time to think about something else. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, well, what about how like 
what are your, what are your guys is I don't know how much of uh, some of the other stuff Ke- you you've seen Kevin but how Mon Mothma was treated and done in say Rebels because uh, she was a, a a fairly integral part of the last couple of seasons of Rebels. She, you know, she was like cautious. I, I, that's that's the way I I got from her vibe during the show while it was aired. She was a little cautious. She didn't want to step out and you know like take action as much. And I think that that's what kind of hold held back partially partially of the rebels, uh, or at least that the resistance. But I, you know, when it came down to it, when when you know when uh, poop hit the fan, I don't want to cuss. When poop hit the fan, she she dug down and and made sure she got her hands there. I forgot what episode it was when uh, they were trying to protect her on the ship. Oh yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. So when they, uh, she, I think they, she, she kind of saw what really actually needed to be done because you know now it's serious. The uh, empire is actually coming after them. They they figured it yeah. figured them out. So you know, I don't know. Like she she needed her eyes to be open a little bit, and I think that episode. It, it was like a little bit more clearer for her to understand. Yeah. Like, I need to get my hands as probably not as much dirty as going out and being on the front line, but definitely need to make sure that uh, yeah. the front line gets taken care of as well as the um, as, as far as and as well as the uh, politics. So yeah, well, I also think the one episode in Rebels, and again, I'm horrible with episode names, but yeah. It was the one with uh, it was one of the ones with Saw Gerrera, where um, they have an interaction and you see the juxtaposition of their points of view and their worldviews. Whereas Saw was very much a the ends justified the means, uh, uh, you know, by any means necessary type of uh, thing. And if there's civilians that get killed, well, you know, oh well, that's just collateral damage. Yeah. And whereas Mon Mothma was very much of the mind, we need to win the hearts and minds. We can win as many battles as we can or lose as many battles as we can. But if we don't win the hearts and minds of these people, we, you know, we're no, we can't, we have to be better than them. We can't stoop to their level. So she very much tried to keep it, you know, the conflict between soldier versus soldier, you know, Mm -hmm. and, I try as much as possible to avoid. Um, she she didn't want it to be get. She basically the way I look at it, she didn't want to get bogged down. All right. You know, I don't know what you think think, um, Chris, but that's kind of how I see it. As with with her, I mean, I'm I'm even thinking about like the EU days, and I think again one of her one of her major downfalls was motivation. She yeah. it, it was hard to get her motivated into action. Uh, because yeah. she did want to do things the diplomatic way. She wanted to do things through yeah. words instead of actions. Uh, the One of her positive sides is once she had the motivation, then her resolve was ironclad. Yeah. But it was just well, getting I was thinking... her to, to go into action. She was very indecisive up until she finally reached that point that yeah. this, is, this is the correct course of action. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
I just had a thought in, uh, when you said she was very much diplomatic and, you know, not to jump universes, but she would have gotten along perfectly with with Picard in Star Trek. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> probably, probably because Picard was a, was a, uh, was a violence was an absolute last resort. Yeah. You know, yeah. and he would exhaust every avenue under the sun. And now you put Picard into the rise of the Galactic Empire, for example. Picard would fail miserably. In in the time between episode three and episode four, be- yeah, be- because there there would would have been no. I mean, think about episode four uh, when we first really get introduced to uh, a Vader and Tarkin. They're talking about the eradication of the Galactic or the uh, Imperial Senate, which used to be mm-hmm. the Republic Senate. And then if you go into the yeah. books, you find out that the Imperial Senate. Senate was literally just a puppet show to make the people think that the emperor even gave a fuck about him. Yeah. You know, yeah. and so her ideals, which would have been Picard's ideals of, of trying to do it through diplomacy and through, you know, uh, liens and, and measures and uh, within the Senate, it would have fallen on death ears and she would have been killed and eradicated long before a rebellion would have formed if she had done it her way. Mm. Right. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So, um, so yeah, um, so kind of moving moving on from Mon Mothma, we're gonna try to get as as many of these women in as we can. So, uh, let's kind of shift gears and go into some of the legends characters, some of the ones that um haven't quite made canon yet, may never be made canon, and I think. No better one to start with than one of the characters that I know a lot of the fanboys have been pining to be made canon, and that would be Miss Mara Jade. I think I think we're about to have her canon because uh, even even Mark Hamill has turned around and uh, stated that Luke Skywalker didn't die a virgin. So. <laughs> <laughs> but of course, Mark could be just you know trolling like he oh. always does. Yes, M- Mark. Yes, I. Th- I think Mark probably just lives under a bridge somewhere. Just the ultimate troll, but but re- yeah, I he mean, he really is. Yes. Um, I mean, what do you think of what do you think about that character has resonated so much with fans that <sighs> all these years later, people are like, you know, we want her to be made canon. We want her, want her to be can to be made canon. What is it about Mara that is? You know, has made her last so long and be such a for a character that has never appeared officially in anything other than books and comics. What is what is what has what is about her that has, has captivated the fandom? You think she is the ultimate badass. She's like the Ellen Ripley of the Star Wars universe. <laughs> you know, yeah, uh, she she was the Emperor's top assassin. You know, mm-hmm. she uh, hunted and almost damn near successfully killed Luke Skywalker, then married him and gave him children. You know, trained in the ways of force, even though she was a naturally gifted force. Like, people want to call Ray a Mary Sue. You know yeah. what I mean? <laughs> Mar was an absolute Mary Sue, but at the same time, just the way she was presented, she that you couldn't help but fall in love with her and know that she was the type of person that could... Like, if the Jedi fell, she'd be the last one to die. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
And I mean, just just the way she was, like I agree with you. The way she was presented in the books, especially that first when you first meet her, is just like and you hear about her backstory of being the the emperor's hand and basically being almost I wouldn't say equal to Vader, but as far as the emperor was concerned, she was almost at that same level. Like she wasn't an apprentice, but she was given the same type of missions that Vader almost almost the same type of missions that Vader was. In fact, she was given the missions that were that the emperor thought maybe needed a lighter touch than Vader's hand. I almost you know? got the impression that she was Vader's replacement. Like before the Emperor's fall, I think he was starting to to, to get uh, get feelings of doubt in 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 Anakin, and yeah. I think she was really being set up, and probably knew she was being set up to be Vader's replacement. Yeah, but of Which, course I Luke mean, came and fucked everything up. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> damn Skywalkers! Yeah, of course. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Kev, would you would you disagree um, with me on on that? Yeah, I mean, I uh, well, no, I, I not not that I disagree. I think that much. I I didn't read the uh, legacy, um, the uh, Dark Horse. I didn't read that. I'm I'm in the canon. Uh, that's where I started reading. But from what I've heard off of YouTubers that talked about it, she she was a BA, and I think. From from what I've heard, I because I haven't read any of the comics. Um, yeah, she was pretty much yeah, like everything you said, Chris. Like that 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 like that strong of a woman to she was working for the Empire, and then when she found the I guess the lighter side of the Force, uh, became extremely uh, well skillful in that as well. So yeah, I, yeah. I, I agree. I'll tell you this this much, Kevin. If you get a chance, find the Thrawn trilogy novels and read those. Those are not just for Mara Jade, because that's where Mara Jade was introduced, but uh, just for the entire story, they're probably one of the best Legends books. They're they're what got me back into Star Wars, were the uh, the Timothy Zahn Thrawn trilogy. So, well, okay. well, as a, as a matter of fact, that trilogy, uh, Heir to the Empire, Dark Force Rising, and I forget. I, for the life of me, I forget the name. Of the uh, Heir to the Empire, Dark Force Rising, and uh, Last Command. Last Command, thank you. Uh, yeah. That that trilogy before uh, Disney's takeover and and retconning everything EU was the only trilogy within books, comics, otherwise that was actually recognized as the legitimate sequel to Return of the Jedi. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, definitely yes. worth the read. All right. <laughs> yeah. Um. So let's see. We've talked uh, Mon Mothma. We've talked Mara Jade. Um, let's. I mean, we have. Wow. I mean, we could talk <laughs> about the handmaidens of the Padme. We could talk about the Night Sisters. Uh, we there's 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 a lot. We could talk. Oh, about yeah, Laura Singh and some of the uh, the the female they, bounty hunters. Yeah. They're, well, let's start with the. Um, well, let's start with the Night Sisters. I mean. And especially in Clone Wars and Rebels, I mean, you get this kind of... They're almost sympathetic. 
they almost end up being sympathetic dark side users. <laughs> to, yeah. to an extent, yeah, but at the same time, yeah. when you really break it down to the essentials, most everything that happened during uh, that during the rise of the Clone War was kind of their fault. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> If it wasn't for them, like I don't, see, I don't even think Darth Maul would have, uh, would have been recognized because that one episode where they showed how just on the planet how separated separate they were from the the male and the female and the, and the female were dominant. So to see yeah. that, and then just the this the story arc where uh, I'm not good with names, but. Uh, uh, Count Dooku's uh, apprentice, uh, Asajj Ventress. Oh, yeah, Asajj Ventress. When she came back, and just to see how uh, they train, even with like without really needing to use the Force, that was just amazing. And then just to imagine one of them, like Centris, when she <coughs> wielded a, a, a lightsaber, just to see that she didn't need it. You know, she doesn't need a yeah. lightsaber. So their their whole clan that. Uh, you know, it's just amazing how uh, how powerful they are with and without the force, and and still be dominant over the the male of uh, of their their race. So yeah, yeah. And that voice, the way they did that voice for the uh, I can't remember her name, the the queen of the night sisters, the night mother, the night mother. Oh, that was just creepy. Yeah. That almost hearing, almost like you're hearing two voices at the same time. It's just like, ooh, yeah. Well, the be- the best way I can describe them as as a as a as a uh, a group of of uh, people, and especially their influence throughout the galaxy, whether direct or indirect. Uh, the best comparison I can give really is uh, another sci-fi franchise is uh, the Benny Gesserit uh, of Dune. Mm. Where they may not have been in total control of everything under the sun, but they had their influence in everything. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And they really uh, this is another time situation where you have characters or a group of characters that harken back to something from legends. In legends, you had uh, the witches of witches of Dathomir. And I, I think they were direct descendants, weren't they? Yeah, yeah, this is basically what the the Night Sisters were basically the witches of Bath. Um yeah, they were just very again, they they weren't characters that you saw all the time. They popped up every once in a while, but they played such an integral role. And I think that's kind of true of a lot of these side characters in Star Wars is they're not necessarily the main characters, they're not necessarily ones that you see on a weekly basis, but when you look at the overall story arc and you see the bits and pieces and how they fit in, these side characters, a lot of times play such pivotal key roles. Yeah. Oh, you're, you're, uh, you're, you're not wrong. I mean, I know we're talking about like the women of Star Wars, but like even think about like some of the characters like Lobot or Nine-Nub. You know, they're, yeah. not, they're not integral to the story. However, the story would not have progressed the way that it did without the interventions and, and interactions of these types of characters. You know, Definitely. Um, yeah. if, if Lobot didn't exist, uh, Lando would never have rescued Han, uh, Leia and, and Chewie and 3PO. If uh, Nine-Nub didn't exist, Lando would never have had a co-pilot to be able to blow up Death Star 2. Yeah. There, there's pivotal roles even when you're not a main character. Yeah. 
Yeah. yeah. Uh, and speaking of you know these kind of key key role people, as uh, you mentioned them earlier, are the uh, the handmaidens, Padme's handmaidens, and uh, particularly and again, I'm horrible with names, but Dorja. The, what's that? Dorja. Dorja. D o j a. Dio Dorja. Yeah. I I probably I'm probably butchering the pronunciation. But yeah. Kira Knightley's character. <laughs> yes, yeah, Kara Knightley. Yeah, Kara Knightley. Yeah, um, you know who basically was was hired because she had a uh, she looked a little bit, little bit like Natalie Portman. So launched her career. Her whole career started because she looked like Natalie Portman. So if you hate Pirates of the Caribbean or particularly her character in Pirates, blame Natalie Portman. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I mean, she, I mean, from a character standpoint, I mean, I mean, again, this is not something even throughout, you know, actual history of having a body double and having someone who looks like you, uh, was not something that's new. So, um, but we could talk about the mentality of the, uh, of the handmaidens, uh, because especially in the new book, uh, queen, uh, queen's Aaron. Yeah. Or whatever, um, or Queen Shadow. That's Queen. I always want to say Aaron, but it's Queen Shadow. Um, you learn that the handmaidens, like the name, even the names they take, like Dorma and, and stuff of that nature, all tie into Amadala in some way, shape, or form. They had fanatical devotion to Padme. Uh, they they were more than willing, out of complete love, not duty, but complete love, to lay down their life for Padme. Um, yeah, like there was there was some serious uh, sisterhood going on within the handmaidens. Mm. You know? Yeah. Um, and of course, I'm paraphrasing. It goes a lot deeper than that. But I mean, there was a true bond there. It wasn't just honor and duty that this wasn't just a job for them to be bodyguards to to the queen. There was such such a love and respect between the handmaidens and Amidala that. Everything they did was in honor of her, and and they there's nothing more they would have considered honorable to them than to sacrifice themselves for her. Yeah, it's yeah. almost kind of Klingonish. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're talking a lot about Star Trek today. I don't know. <laughs> uh, but yeah, yeah, it's kind of sad that though throughout the movie, the only one we get to see is that. Uh, Dharma or Dorja or whatever, whatever the Kira Knightley, right? Um, and of course, we see the one that was uh, assassinated on the ramp. Oh, oh yeah, on the ramp, yeah. Like in episode just, two, out of nowhere, just pushed out the way. That's devotion because I don't think I yeah. actually would sacrifice my life for anybody. I don't care if you're a king, queen, president. I, I'm not dying. Like so, <laughs> just for just for that, for her to just pop, like you know, like look out. And, and disguise herself to 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 pretend to be the queen. That was that. Yeah, that's yeah. love. Yeah, love. and and that the devotion. I mean, because about and that scene where she she sacrifices herself, she was no longer Padme was no longer queen. Right. So to see that that devotion carried on after that. That you had that devotion after, you know, still had that devotion even after she's no longer the queen. I mean, that just shows a lot about the respect that they had for her. 
Oh yeah, and they voluntarily uh, voluntarily left with with Amidala when she when she stepped down as queen and decided to take on the role of senator. They followed yeah. by choice. They didn't. They they. It wasn't like they were dismissed. It's not like they couldn't have protected the new queen or anything of that nature. They volunteered mm. to go with her. Yeah. Right. Um. Well, another one we can talk about and. This is one that I will be honest with you. Uh, Chris, you'll probably have to take the lead in this one because uh, I don't really know much about her, but that would be Ara Singh. Ara is a, a rough one because there's not a whole lot out there for her. I, I yeah. know she was a feared bounty hunter. Uh, she had a reputation close to Bosque or, or, or Boba Fett's and uh, in, in the grand scheme of things, you know, she... Uh, she was a little insane, you know, but uh, yeah. overall, there's not a whole lot out there for her. Yeah, I know they mentioned her. They mentioned her in Solo, but it was it's just in. Yeah, that, that Beckett, that Beckett killed her. Yeah, Beckett was the one that killed her. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, yeah, there's not really a lot about. I mean, and she was really the only like, other than the uh, the changeling. The only female bounty hunter. Oh yeah, yeah. The, yeah. From, the, from the movie, right? Yeah, I'm trying but to think I of her name. I think they had one in the movie, and then in the animated show. Yeah. Yeah. Clone Wars. Zam yeah, Weasel. Clone Wars or Sing. What's that? Zam Weasel. Zam Weasel. Yeah, yeah. Or Sing did show up. Showed up a couple times in the Clone Wars. If I'm correct, if I'm not mistaken. She did. She was hunting. Uh, she was. She was trying to assassinate uh, uh, Amidala, I believe, on behest of uh, Cad Bane, mm-hmm. and uh, was stopped yeah. by Ahsoka. And that's really where you got yeah. a chance to see that she was kind of nuts. Yeah, you know, she was she was a couple yeah. she was a couple cans short of a six pack, but I mean, <laughs> she was she was she was deadly. And the problem is, yeah. is that uh, the, the impression I got again, there's not a lot of detail for her. I, I wish they would yeah. give more detail to her. Because yeah. she's one of those people that would be extremely interesting. Um, I agree. One of the, one of the things that I did, the, one of the things I get from her is part of her proficiency is how much she enjoys what she does. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It's more than just. I think, like, like I think you said, uh, it's more than just a job for her. It's fun. You know, I think a lot of the bounty hunters are just, oh, this is a job. This is what I got to do, but. You know, she she seems like the person that would do it, that would not necessarily do it for free, but you know, eh. <laughs> well, that's it. Like you know, you you pay you pay my docking fees and my fuel, and uh, you got and a sandwich, and I'll take care of it for you. I'll assassinate the chancellor. Screw it. Okay, let's do it. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> she would work for minimum wage. She don't care. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> If the if the job's um, right, she'll do it. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, there, is there uh the one I'm thinking about is uh she only had like one small story arc. Uh, oh man, uh, she was the sister of uh, darn it. Oh man, I'm sorry. Uh, oh. We were just we was just talking about him. Uh, Saw Guerrero's sister. Yeah. Oh, just, yeah. She, like, during the course of them training and learning how to fight back for themselves, and like, she became her own character to where as 
and this is good, like good writing because they actually made you care about somebody that, you know, uh, eventually died later on, at, like what, probably like three episodes in of of that mm-hmm. story. So, like, she motivated a lot of people and and really pushed it. Really helped push uh, Saw Guerrero over to yeah. not caring about anybody. But I think if she didn't die off of uh, not being caught by Ahsoka or that explosion, I think we would definitely, well, probably wouldn't change that as much, but we would have had a different uh, Guerrero, I think. Oh, oh yeah. definitely. You're, you're absolutely right, because I think one of the pivotal points of her character's involvement in, in that story arc was that she really was kind of Saw's moral compass. Yeah. Uh, yeah. What we got, what we got of the bro- the broken and, and paranoid man in Rogue One is directly result of the fact that he no longer had his sister there to keep him grounded. Right. Yeah. yeah. She was one of those characters that, like you, like you said, even though she was only in, you know, I, maybe three episodes. As far as her character being pivotal for another character's arc, she was extremely pivotal for. What would like like Chris said? What would happen to Salt later? You know, that's a situation where one character's one character affects another character in the yeah. story. So, you know, she may not be the main character for you know, but she was a linchpin character. And when she was pulled out, i.e., dying, all the dominoes in Saul Guerrero's head just kind of crumbled, and right. he became. The man he became. Well, I mean, we could we could make that argument for a lot of different characters. We could talk about Satine. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, the, the 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 Duchess of Mandalore. Yeah. You know, a friend of Padme, but you know, unofficial love interest of uh, Obi Wan Kenobi. Yeah. You know, and really, there's a there's a linchpin in there. If if Obi Wan was honest about you know Satine. He might have been a lot more forgiving about Anakin and it, and and Padme, and if that be the case, Anakin may never fall onto the dark side. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So you see and, a secondary I mean, character that could have changed the whole entire history uh, of the 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 fall of the Republic. Yeah, mm-hmm. and that, I mean, seeing that scene where she is, she dies. <laughs> And you see just the emotion and the true love that uh, Obi-Wan had for her. I mean, that's that just shows a lot of the rela- you know, the relationship that she had that they had together. So right. No, you're you're absolutely right. I mean, and and of course, that's not to take away from her accomplishments. I mean, she rose to power in Mandalore, fought the Death Watch. And changed Mandalore, you know, for the better. She wanted Mandalore to be more diplomatic, more more peaceful than the warrior race it used to be. Yeah, you know, she she was a per- person who who championed change within within the whole entire you know beings of, of the Mandalorians. Mm-hmm. You know, so I mean, it's not like she was not just some character in the background. She was really important to a lot of people. Yeah. But yeah. the big thing is, is the secret between her and Obi-Wan that, that 
Obi Wan's stubbornness to buy the book, bookness, uh, uh, obviously stifled, could have been the story that could have changed the history of everything. Yeah. Right. Oh, yeah. The, so, like you said, that that would have that would have had Anakin reveal himself and not go down the path that he did to have to think that I have to be a uh, a master in order to get the get into the lot the the back wall or the secret I don't know like the the locked vault to to make sure that he could learn a way to keep Pat me alive because if he would have came out if Obi Wan would have came out and said listen. Or, or just to Anakin, not even the the whole Jedi Council, but only to Anakin. Like me and her, we had a a thing, and it might happen again. Then that would have resulted down for Anakin to say, "Well, me and Padme got married in Episode Two uh, when I lost my arm, and we've been a thing. We got a child, and that would have they wouldn't have fought on Mustafar, uh, pretty much. I think so. I, you're right. I think I think had Obi Wan known. And had everyone been open with Anakin about his own love affair, you know, uh, I think I think not only would Obi Wan serve as a as a uh, a good mentor for for Anakin to keep him on a straight and narrow, but Obi Wan would have kept a secret. Yeah, uh, Obi Wan yeah. would have absolutely protected Padme and, and Anakin and their child from from ever being known to the Jedi Council or ever destroying his career as a Jedi. Mm-hmm. You know, it, 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 it's really weird. That character was, I mean, we, you, you talk about a linchpin with uh, with Saw's sister. When I'm, The more I'm talking about it, it's a team with almost a freaking keystone. Yeah. Yeah. You know. <laughs> yeah. And I don't, I mean, and you can't really talk about uh, Satine without, of course, talking about her sister, Bo-Katan. And a character that started out as a I mean, you can basically say a villain in some sense, being a member of Night Watch and and that more um, militant for, side of the Mandalorians, and but ending up being basically the hero and savior of her people. That is true. You know, I mean, you talk about a story arc that goes from one way to the other, and it just shows that. And many, you know, there's the old saying of one person's terrorist is another person's fr- freedom fighter, and this is, you know, well, everybody's a hero in their own story. Yeah, nobody yeah. ever sees themselves as the villain. We've we've had this conversation before, you know, mm-hmm. putting uh, on other shows, putting in real life things like even, you know, dare I say, even Adolf Hitler didn't see himself as a crazy madman. Right. Yeah. You know what I mean? So. You know, the, the action determines determines <coughs> who you are, not your own personal moral compass. Yeah. But yeah, she yeah. she did wind up seeing, in a sense, the error of her ways, not so much in the in the belief that might makes right, but so so much in the fact that like you have to do what's best for the people, regardless of your own personal politic. Yeah. 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 Um. Well, let's move on to, um, let's see, we've already talked about, well, we have uh, Barris Offy, Ophi, Offy, whatever yeah, her name is. Barris Offy. Barris Offy. Um, 
the there, Padawan of uh, 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 Luminari. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Who uh, legend-wise turned to the dark side. Yeah. Uh, mostly through the fear of losing her uh, her Padawan or her her uh, master, although yeah. in the legends her master at the time was Shock T. Uh, yes, you know, and yeah. Shock T was killed by Star Killer, and she was left on uh, the planet. I believe it was Felucia, and yeah. uh, you know, wound up going insane and turning to the dark side because of Star Killer's actions. Mm-hmm. Of course, Shock T in Cannon was killed by Dooku and the Confederation. Yes. So you know that that's one that it, that's a weird that's a weird one. Uh, yeah. Barrisofi was uh for overall she was she was basically your your textbook Padawan. Never question the yeah. master. Never question the Jedi order. Don't break the rules. Her interactions with Ahsoka were were like. You know, uh, oil and and vinegar, or oil and water. You know yeah. what I mean? Like uh, uh, Ahsoka's devil may care personality that she adopted from from Anakin, A- but it had so hard with uh, with Barrison and her her must please the master mentality. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. but I found that the the like the first like the the first episode where they're on uh, Geonosis. Um, that almost those two styles of thought they ended up working well together you know you had whereas you had Barris who was you know could be the voice more the voice of reason and whereas Ahsoka could be like hey we need to take a risk to do this but um, then of course you know you have her eventual fall even in even in a canon, she fell, didn't she? I believe so. I'm gonna have to check on that. I'm not exactly yeah, I think, sure where yeah, she was. She she was the one she was the one that uh planted the bomb, wasn't she? That was blamed on Ahsoka. Oh my god, yeah, you're that. right. Yeah. yeah. That was because you had the one of the fights you had the fight with her and, and Anakin. Yeah. You're right. I completely yeah. forgot about that. Yeah, yeah. she was so she did even in canon she fell. To the dark side. Um, God, I got to watch Clone Wars again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I just remember that. I just remember that because that story arc with uh, Ahsoka was one of my favorites of 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 the uh, especially of that season. Yeah. Uh, season five. Um, and you know, but that that was a that like I was shocked that when it was revealed it was her. And I was like, wow, like you really, and then, but to the reason for her to do that, it made sense because it's like, we're no longer Jedi's. Like I can see why it was so easy for her to, you know, yeah. fall or slip over to the dark side. Cause then we're, we're protecting politics. We're, we're fighting their war, but we were, we're basically supposed to keep the peace between all people. And when yeah. we pick a side, we're no longer keeping the peace. We're now saying, you know, if you don't agree with them, you're against them. And we're here to defend them. So you're against us. And yeah. for her to, to I, I just didn't see her going against Ahsoka. Like, I was like, 
that's disrespectful. You know, kind of yeah. not a lot of people liked Ahsoka when she first showed up uh, when the when the series started, and then for her to you know grow on on people on the fans and come to love her for her to like to think that she actually would have killed all those Jedi and then come to find out somebody that she trusted and thought was her best friend. Uh, that was, that was very yeah. shocking. Yeah. Well, I mean, that was the ultimate betrayal. What? I mean, wasn't it, yeah. you know, I mean, they basically came up together. They probably, I mean, they were probably about the same age. So they probably were younglings together. They probably, you know, they probably were basically raised together. They probably, you know, went into the order at the same time at a very young age. So they probably had known each other for basically all of their lives. So, yeah, you know, that was... It's like battling an elementary school friend, yeah. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's it's one thing, you know, for, you know, someone who's older Jedi to to leave. You know, that's, that, you know, that's bad. But when you have someone like that who was, you know, probably one of your closest friends... To not only you know not only betray what you believe in, but to basically throw you under the bus and blame you for something, and you know it's yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, you're you're absolutely not wrong, and 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 Kevin hit it square on the head uh, with with the fact that she was uh, with the canon. With, again, I completely forgot the story because there's there's only so much this brain can hold. Um, right. <laughs> you know, and I I follow a lot of mythos, not just Star Wars. It just happens that Star Wars takes up most of my brain. Uh, <laughs> but uh, you know, the mythos for her actual canon fall was the fact that like, because we're no longer the Jedi that we're supposed to be, we're no longer following yeah. the code. We're no longer the peacekeepers, the middlemen. We're, we're no longer, uh, not aligned to, uh, to a particular faction. We're no longer the people that are looking for knowledge through the force. We're right. now, we're now generals and, and commanders and, and Republic puppets. If anything, yeah. you could say uh, uh, Barris actually saw the fate of the Republic and the Jedi Order. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Definitely, definitely. Yeah, yeah, she's definitely a very... It's almost like the old saying of... With her, I get... I get the, the saying that comes to mind with her is two wrongs don't make a right. Right. Mm-hmm. You know... What the Jedi were doing was wrong, but fighting it with something else is wrong doesn't make it right, you know. Yeah. Um, you know, yeah, yeah, yes, she might have been doing what she did for the right reasons, but she was still what she still did was still wrong. Mm-hmm. And um, that's and absolute, I mean, that's absolute truth. That's absolute yeah. truth. <clears throat> Excuse me. And I'm not sure what happened to her after. Um, I, I haven't really read a lot of the new canon or the comics, so I'm not really sure what happened to. I don't think she's Barris. really been mentioned. Yeah, yeah. They, they, there was one guy on YouTube that said that, uh, like, pretty much during the Order Six or Six, she got loose, but uh, the uh, Inquisitors found her and killed her because there was a chance that she would have joined the Inquisitors but I think 
because Darth Vader was overrunning it, and that's Anakin. He's like, yo, like, no, you're you're gonna betray us later on down the line. So I think he, she, she died. So I think yeah, with, with with as far as her, yeah, yeah, but I can see it was definitely background though because I'm I'm again, yeah, I I know the background. filing system's kind of full here, but uh. I've been reading all the new canon and, and everything, and I think if anything, it's just it's simply a mention. They haven't actually shown anything right. about it. Yeah. Um, another one that was a uh, wom- uh, woman that has been influential and kind of the uh, the background and uh, not really a background character, but yeah, you could call her a background character. That would be. Um, the the uh, the head of the Jedi Library. Oh yes, she, uh, yes, yes. I uh, I was just thinking about her. Um, Acosta knew. Yeah, she had. Um, I don't know if you guys read it, but there was a story arc for Darth Vader. It was his last. Um, yes. His last. Yes. His last. Yes. Uh, his last. Oh, arc and the way that they described it, like. She was a BA, like she, she was so smart and so, but not skillful in the lightsaber, but wise enough in the light to know uh, she had to pass on the secret, <coughs> uh, pass on the um, tradition of the Jedi because eventually, this the the war and the reign of the Empire wasn't going to last long, and there still to this day are uh, force sensitive children, and they have to know, they have to learn. Uh, you know the the light. Um, I just think she, the the way that she defended herself in the comics, uh, she it was a, a weapon. It was like a gun, and she put a lightsaber inside of it, and it shot like a like a laser, um, like a laser gun, but the force of a, like a, a lightsaber. And the way she defended herself, she was like, I have to get back inside. And she almost didn't want to fight anybody because she knows she wasn't skillful. But just the knowledge that she held for herself was something that um, Palpatine wanted and something that Anakin wanted. And she just made, I don't know, like that whole story, I think it was about like five, maybe four issues of her. And that that Darth Mm. Vader one, that was amazing. I was like, I, I never thought of her other than a regular librarian that you know you go to the library and like okay you're just a librarian you didn't know by important but they gave her some some juice yeah. well she was she was she was definitely uh, like you said she was highly intelligent she was her her store her strength in the force was wisdom was yeah. completely yeah. was and, and brilliant deduction because the end of that story arc when she was captured by by vader and they're on the uh, arc transport you know, and she reveals who Vader is to a whole bunch of stormtroopers. She nobody told her that. She figured it out herself. Right. She watched yeah. his movements. She watched his mannerisms and deducted who he is. Yeah, yeah. You know, like she was highly, highly intelligent. Oh and yeah. She was. She was. If anything, she was the embodiment of what like Yoda was trying to instill in Luke. That, mm-hmm. you know, Jedi use the Force for knowledge and defense, never for attack. If you use the Force that way, you never have to attack. And and she, she was literally the embodiment of that. Yeah. 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 
for yeah. for what that's worth. Because I mean, he wound up he wound up destroying the whole entire arc retainer with her and the stormtroopers on it to protect his own uh, identity. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, hey, you got to do what you got to do. That's it. But but yeah, she she was definitely like, uh, and I think they alluded to that uh, a little bit in Clone Wars too when uh, when Ahsoka got uh, placed into library the archives room. Right. With her, and uh, of course, she had that uh, that changeling who was pretending to be a Jedi master, trying to to mm-hmm. get into the Jedi holocrons and all. And I mean, that was your first taste at at at, at uh, new and and that she was more than just you know a, a squib in Harry Potter. You know, <laughs> yeah. Well, the fact that I mean that the that the masters would go, you know, the masters would go to her. You know that yeah, it's, even it's though she wasn't, she wasn't officially on the council. Still, if you wanted to know something, you went to Jocasta New. Mm-hmm. You know that just showed her importance and the respect that they that the other, even the council members had for her. That she wasn't just you know. Just somebody, you know, another librarian, but she was someone that was important and, you know, had this wealth of knowledge. But it also made her arrogant because let's remember when Obi-Wan went to the archive rooms to, to, to find out about Kamino and her arrogance and her intelligence and her wisdom and the knowledge that was accumulated in the Jedi archives. She simply dismissed that the, the system doesn't exist because it wasn't in the archives. Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, you could say that that was the that was the problem for the majority of the Jedi was their arrogance. You're absolutely right, but that was one of her downfalls is she had accumulated such knowledge yeah. that she was arrogant in her knowledge. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. I mean, there's you know, there's so many so many women um well, I mean, we could I'm even having trouble trying or remembering all of them now. I mean, that's well. There's so many. There's so many that like may have appeared for ten seconds or whatever else. I mean, we could talk about you know uh, Rose's sister, you know, right. yeah. or or the uh, the the pilot of the A wing uh, during the resistance. I, I yeah, I don't know her name. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, we well, well. I mean. We might as well just bite the bullet and talk about some of the two of two of the least popular female characters, and let's talk about Rose. Mm. I Rose. mean, uh... <laughs> I I know, but I mean, if we're going to talk about the women of Star Wars, we there's two women that we have to talk about, and that's Rose, and that's Kira. Well, if we're going to talk about Rose and Kira, we also got to talk about Paige. We got to talk about Admiral Haldo. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, these are. Let's be fair, as much as I'd absolutely despise to say it, we might as well talk about one of the only female droids that we have. Oh, L3. Yeah. (laughs) Which that'll be a quick one. L3 should not exist. New it on. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Yeah. It was um, it was a it was a nice little plug in to say why the uh, why uh, the Falcon had um had his own little uh little personality. personality. It's quirks. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, It was it was like one of those like oh that's nice to know but I didn't like I didn't ask for it but it's nice yeah. to know. Well, you could say that for the entire Han Solo movie personally, but yeah, yeah. Um, 
I again, not that it was bad. I know. Um, um, my, uh, yeah. <laughs> Mike, uh, Mr. Mike Quinn, uh, ha- uh, said that he, uh, uh, disagrees. Uh, but you know, that's, yeah, everyone's got their opinion. So, yeah. uh, that's just ours. My thing, my thing with L337, as far as like the character itself, what for the most part was fine. I just didn't agree with pushing personal politics into the film, and she was a walking, talking personal politic. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. and that that's where I had an issue. If she was just a quirky droid who existed within the Star Wars universe as a quirky droid, I wouldn't have anything to say. But yeah. the fact that she was spouting out all the crap that we're hearing on the news every single day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, 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 she ruined, she ruined the, the fantasy of Star Wars for me. Now, as yeah. a character, if I look at the character as a character, the fact that she was so self-aware of, of artificial intelligence that she felt that she was enslaved, that was pretty interesting. The fact that she was in love with a human, even though she despised her human overlords, because right. she was head over heels in love with Lando. Yeah. That was yeah. interesting. But all of that yeah. was buried within the the political uh, politics that didn't need to be there. Yeah, and that really ruined the character. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, yeah, personal point of view. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, I, I, I can, I can see that. You know, I definitely can see see that point of view. Um, again, like like I said, and of course, if we're talking about. Um, you know, we talk about 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 that, but yeah, I, she was just one of those characters that was just kind of like Kevin said. Oh, that's interesting. That's how the Falcon got his, her its personality. Uh, um, it's peculiar dialect. Yeah. Peculiar dialect. Yes, yes. Kind of makes me wonder what exactly it was telling, uh, telling him whenever it was talking, telling. Yeah. What, yeah, what is talking to C-3PO, what exactly it was saying. I, I can pretty much hear, I don't need no man telling me what to do. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> yeah, I yeah, start yeah. watching that oh. Solo movie. That, that's, that's how, that was her, that's the way she came off as. I don't need anybody telling me what to do. Um, androids all day. <laughs> yeah. Androids uh, matter, you know? <laughs> well, before oh, no. we, yeah. Uh, before we get to our uh, final few entries here, we're going to be uh, taking a little bit of a break. Uh, pause for the call. No, we won't. And... No, we won't. That'll be at the end of the show. Because oh. uh, because oh. we got about five minutes left before right. I got to take off, unfortunately. <laughs> All right. Uh, well, um, I-, I say then maybe we just continue this next week and start wrapping things up. Uh uh, we'll start with mess with uh, Mr. Hunter. Kevin, where can people find you? They can find me on YouTube at at uh, Hunter. Uh, it's a YouTube video where I talk about comics. Uh, I do a little bit of unboxing, so it's very interesting. I've been a, a little MIA trying to move around some stuff, but uh, should be starting back up soon. But I have plenty of contact. Uh, content that you can check out and uh, watch and hopefully give me more advice if needed. 
All right. And Chris, where can they find you at? You can find me anywhere that says Realm of the Mist Entertainment, be it our website, which is uh, seen in the description down below, right here on the YouTube channel, or, of course, on uh, Anchor.fm, Spotify, iTunes, or wherever quality podcasts are heard. That's right. And you can find me, of course, on Facebook at Mark Tolley and on inter- uh, on Twitter at JohnMarkTolley1. Uh, also, anywhere where Rome of the Mist is heard. And before we get out of here, I wanted to take a little minute to talk about something that has been uh, all over the internet, on YouTube. Um, some of you might have heard it or seen it. Uh, there's a video going around of a reaction video to the episode 9 trailer where there's a... Oh, that super excited man, fan? The, the man who is crying... Um, <laughs> just openly weeping at at the trailer and he has gotten a lot of uh attacks he's been um bullied just all kinds of things and we as longtime star wars fans who have grown up with this and in, uh, anybody who's in the quote-unquote nerd culture whether it be star wars star trek whether you play D, we're used to this we're used to the eye rolls, the, oh, you like Star Wars, or, oh, you play that type of attitude mm-hmm. from the outside. Right. What has hurt me and what has gotten me is many of these attacks have come from the fandom. Wow. Many of these have come from people who say that they're Star Wars fans. People, we should be better than this. And we've proven that we can be. I was so amazed and so happy at even though I never liked her, didn't like her character uh, of the response to Kelly Marie Tran when she came out, that she got a standing ovation, that uh, Ahmed Bassett, I think that's his name, Ahmed uh, Best, got a, got an got a got a standing ovation, that these characters have, even though we don't like them, we may not like the characters. We can still respect the actors that played them and mm-hmm. still show respect for that. And after watching uh, a video of um, Star Wars Theory completely and in the most classy way ever eviscerate these bullies, that's, I was watching. That's what I was going to say is I, I saw this through Star Wars Theory's uh, response yeah. to it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, shortly after that, I was going through and I saw a video of two young people that were reacting to the episode nine trailer. And at first I wasn't going to watch it because I thought to myself, these are probably just a couple of kids who've only watched the prequel trailers. But then I just said, you know what? No, I'm going to watch it. See what, see what their reaction is. And I saw the complete joy in their face. I saw them as look in just that look of recognition of hearing Luke's voice. The look of joy and and glee as they saw Lando, and then of course the look, you know, of them almost coming into tears of seeing Leia, and then that look of shock of hearing the voice, that laugh of Palpatine, Palpatine. and it hit me. You know, in the past we've talked about on the show about how different generations have their Star Wars. You know, you have me and Chris have the original series. Someone who is a little bit younger, maybe the age of Keith. Theirs would be the prequel trilogies, and these kids would be the sequel trilogies. But after watching this, I think I was wrong. 
it's not a matter of this is my Star Wars. This is your Star Wars. This is their Star Wars. No. Ladies and gentlemen, this is our Star Wars. Yep. Until next time, may the Force be with you. Always. Always. <laughs>